Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 382. And tonight, we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 236, Truck Touchers. And as soon as I heard what this one was about... Tig and Cheryl, true story. Uh-huh. They apparently at one point recapped the documentary Hands on a Hard Body, which is the same contest. And I've not listened to that episode, but I hear it's one of their funnier episodes. Okay. So I should check that one out. I definitely should because part of me thought that I may have heard that this was a thing before, but you know, you mm-hmm. just see truck touchers. And you're like, surely that can't actually be a thing. (laughs) Now, what we're also going to do in this episode, we're going to do a very quick recap of the Night Vale episode, because I think anybody who knows us knows what we really want to get to is there's been three episodes released of season two Loki, and we've watched all of them. So we have to talk about that. Can you believe it? We're actually caught up on Loki. I'm just stunned. Well, probably not that stunned. No. Yeah. I was about to say, come on, it's Loki. Of course we're caught up on that one. (laughs) So the episode episode is in Nightvale in the used car lot. They're running a competition where they have a used truck and everybody who wants to possibly win it has to keep at least one hand on the truck. If you sit down or if your hand is not touching the truck anymore, then you're disqualified. But whoever is left standing last wins. And it's already been 72 hours. Yes. And the prize is a, I love this, a Buick Anticipator, which is <laughs> not an actual car type, but I sort of wish it was. But yeah. yeah, there's four contestants left. But very quickly after that, there's three because, you know, everyone has breaks for like, I guess, 15 minutes to go to the bathroom, maybe get a little food, change their socks, mm-hmm. something like that. And when they came back from the break, one of the people went to touch the truck and instantly pulled her hand back like she'd been burned. And she's yeah. fine, but she's disqualified. And that sort of thing keeps happening. You know, Cecil, he's been doing this for 72 hours now. He's a little tired. But mm-hmm. when the contest started and everyone initially touched the truck, a bunch of the contestants instantly fainted. And that was... Mm-hmm. I have no idea what's going on with that. Nobody else does, but it's not really commented on there. Just disqualified. Yep, yep. I loved how one contestant ended up being disqualified because she got into an argument with the rearview mirror and she got so <laughs> heated about it, she ended up pulling her hands free to just like gesticulate at it. And yeah, she's disqualified too. Yeah, but um, let's see. I think it's Dr. Blake Jones is one mm-hmm. of the contestants and Coach Latrice Beaumont is another one and also Steve Carlsberg, who Cecil loves. Have Cecil and Steve ever actually had it out about the fact that Cecil used to be really awful to Steve and he's never really acknowledged that? Nope, nope, they haven't. The last time we really heard about it was that wonderful episode with Steve where he was the coach of the basketball team. Oh, I love that one. Oh, man. And that's when we really found out that, yeah, all that really hurt Steve and the fact that Cecil has turned into this giant love monster has not really helped how much Steve has still heard about all that. Nope. Uh, in between the contest, we get uh, some headlines. I think one of the headlines is after a freak accident involving lightning, all of the cactuses in the nearby desert are now sentient and they've unionized and they would like legs. So there's that. And I think um, the like Nightville is kind of enthusiastic about that. There was one person who said she was really kind of hoping to get a request like that. And she's saying it while holding a bloody chainsaw. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we also got traffic and the roads are congested. Not like a stuffy nose, more like a blocked artery. And, and you're stuck in the traffic and you were never meant to live this way. Your ancestors never lived this way. And it just goes on this whole tangent about our ancestors hunting through the jungle and being stalked by some animal that never actually arrives. It passes by as this traffic will one day pass. Yes, very, very nice and hopeful. I'm going to be thinking about that the next time I'm stuck in traffic. Me too. So Cecil went to ask the remaining contestants why they wanted the truck, and it was pretty straightforward. Blake, at first, wanted to haul stuff for the lab, but now that all this weird stuff has been going on, he actually would like to have the truck so he can study it, and he was very careful to say, I want to study the truck, I don't want to explain the truck. Because, of course, <laughs> from previously University of what it is, yeah, they have a track record. But uh, Coach Beaumont wants it for games, but after Cecil stops talking to her, she's talking about how she's been passing the time listening to the music that's coming from the truck. Music that nobody else seems to be able to hear. Oh, and 
and uh, Cecil goes to talk to Steve, and Steve just thinks that trucks are cool and also, pardon the language, sick. But he's also <laughs> he's also been arguing with the shadowy figure that's inside the truck, which Cecil isn't able to see. And a representative from the car lot came forward and said that that's not actually possible because Buick didn't introduce the shadowy figure option until 2011. <laughs> Good to know. Uh-huh. I like to know yeah. what's included. Yeah. Right. So all of a sudden, the truck starts shaking, and it's going back and forth, and it's almost like a bucking bronco, and in the end, Blake Jones gets thrown off, and so now there's only two contestants left. We have another headline. There are headstones, unauthorized headstones that have just appeared in one of the local cemeteries, and... There's nobody buried under them, which everyone knows because they have the birth and death date of currently alive Nightville citizens. And the owner of the cemetery is inviting people to come and identify their headstone. They're not going to be able to get buried there for free just because they happen to have a named headstone there. But she is going to offer a deal on anyone who claims a headstone, which is really generous of her because there's a lot of them. <laughs> It was such a great way to end that bit. <laughs> okay, so Cecil had tried to do another interview of Steve, but Cecil actually caught sight of the shadowy figure inside, so now he can see it. And then all of a sudden, Steve screams and takes his hand off the truck. And so he's disqualified, but it looks like he's hurt. And so while Cecil runs over to figure out what's going on, he sends us to the weather. I like the weather, and I'm going to have to listen to it again. It was really rapid-fire rhyming, and I liked all of the rhymes. And I liked the chord progressions, too. And it sounds like something that would be like fun to just sort of sing to yourself once you've memorized all the lyrics. Yes, it really was fun. It was Hurricane Party by Dessa. Dessa's a frequent contributor to the Night Vale Weather. I think, I want to say Dessa travels on the live shows a lot of times, I think too. she does, yeah. She's got a new album out, Burying the Lead, but Lead mm-hmm. is spelled L-E-D-E, so that's, that's clever. That's actually the way it's supposed to be spelled. Is it really? I means. thought it was, it's, the lead was like the headline or something. Everyone thinks that, yeah. It's oh, a wow. newspaper term. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's taking the most important part of the story and putting it way too far down into the story that's burying the lead. Oh, okay. Because I I hear people talking about, you know, a story and then they release another bit of information. You're like, well, you should lead with that, which is why I always thought it was L-E-A-D. Totally true, because in that case, it really is spelled L-E-A-D. Yeah, no, it's... (laughs) I don't remember when I learned that, but everyone does that. Yeah. There you go. Okay, so we come back from the weather, and Steve is fine. He had screamed because the shadowy figure inside the truck had winked at him, which Steve says is the creepiest thing you can do to somebody, and Cecil kind of agrees. So Coach Latrice Beaumont is the winner. Um, She gets into the car after being presented with the keys, and then suddenly no one can see her because she's surrounded in shadows, and now there's fog everywhere, and all the lights seem to have gone out. And then they come back up, and it's fine. And she's in the car. She's in the passenger side, and the shadowy figure is driving. And it pulls away and goes out into the desert. And Latrice Beaumont is screaming, but it's not really clear if she's screaming in exhilaration or fear. Yeah, we forgot to mention that earlier on in the episode... Coach Latrice said she didn't see a shadowy figure inside the car, and even if she had, even if it happened to be very attractive and everything, she is sure that it knows what it's doing, and she's just going to let it do its thing. So I think she kind of had the hots for the shadowy figure from a while before, so I'll bet you she's yelling in exhilaration. At least I hope so. Yeah, we can all hope so, but that was was pretty much it for the episode. I did like how, in the very beginning, the used car lot was advertising all of their gently used and affordable cars. And then in parentheses, keeping in mind that gently used and affordable are not legally binding. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) Oh, God. I used to work for a finance company that financed sales of used mobile homes. And I got to tell you, used mobile home salesmen and used car salesmen, you do not want to trust them any further than you can throw them. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got to earn a living. I so understand that. But man, those industries are fraught. (laughs) (laughs) are. (laughs) Wow. Okay, so obviously we're going to go straight into Loki. So it opens after all the recaps and everything. You see Loki running down the hallway. Now we had ended last season with 
it's, um, oh gosh, B-15, who is the African-American guard who is now basically on their side because she knows that everybody used to be variants. She and Mobius had talked to Loki and they didn't have any idea who Loki was. And so now it opens with them chasing Loki down the hallway and he's just, he can't understand why nobody can recognize him. Right. And he keeps doing that thing that you see from the trailer where he just kind of like warps in space and time screaming and blinks out. And then Mm -hmm. he keeps blinking to various places and it turns out he's blinking back and forth on the timeline. So the reason Mm -hmm. why Mobius and B-15 didn't recognize him was because it was before they had actually met. And this keeps happening through the first episode. Now, when Loki and Mobius that actually knows Loki finally meet up, they go down to the basement area to meet Aroboros, who is the actor from... Everything, everywhere, all at once used to yes. be um, short round from yes. one of the uh, Indiana Jones movies. What the hell is his name? This is important. Can't remember. Should okay. Look it up. I will look it up. Hang on just a second. Okay. Actor's name, Ki Hai Kwan. And I'm yes. really loving the fact that he's actually getting parts like on a regular basis now. And he does a great job. He's this very enthusiastic engineer, worker, whatever in the basement who knows everything about how the TVA works. In fact, he wrote the manual, and I loved how um, God, what is the name of the one character that Loki threatened with painful death last uh, season? <laughs> Casey. Casey, yes. Casey is a fan of Aroboros. That is so cool. But I'm going to call him OB like everybody else does because that's kind of a yes. mouthful. But but yeah, so Loki is being ripped back and forward in time. And part of it is because of all of the branches that are now appearing on the timeline and the TVA's, the temporal loom, which controls the, the timeline, it can't handle all of these extra branches. So yeah. that is the beginning. The first episode is them having to fix this problem with Loki blinking out of time. And also we've got this ongoing problem that the TVA can't really handle this, that eventually everything's just going to explode, which will pretty much destroy destroy all space and time. Yeah. So one thing that's been happening is that Loki is standing in front of Obi and I, I, I felt like the dialogue in this episode was the strongest of the three that we watched. It was very well edited. It was very punchy and quick and back and forth. Obi is having to reconcile the fact that it's not possible for you to jump around in time in the TVA because the time doesn't work like that in the TVA. But he watched it happen. But what's happening is is that Loki has bounced back in time to the past, to a past version of Obi, mm-hmm. and is talking to him. And Obi creates something that can actually fix what's happening to Loki. And also, I think, fix, well, no, because there's a lot going on. He just makes a device. And Loki bounces back to the present. And this whole time, anytime that Mobius asks Obi, is there something you can do about this? Obi's like, no, wait, hang on. I was talking to Loki like a long time ago. And so he's sort of remembering as it happens. And he gives them the device that can solve Loki's problems, except he realizes now he hadn't known what was going on with the loom. So now they have two problems. They have to fix the problem that's happening with Loki, but they have to actually close the blast doors that look out over the loom or else it's going to destroy the TVA. But they can't close the blast doors until they fix the Loki problem. So it's all like everything is happening very, very quickly and it needs to be solved right now. Yeah, and one of the things involves Mobius having to put on some kind of time suit and walking out into the loom area right up to where the... um, the timeline is whatever. Okay, here's a question. As a graphic designer, what is that color scheme that they use for time effects? Because it's like it's like rainbow, but slightly muted, more pastel kind of thing. I'd have to look at it again. I know what you mean. I thought the effects in this episode, especially any kind of like light effects, were really well done in this. Plus, you've got this whole aesthetic that goes on with the TVA, which is obviously it's the most advanced technological marvel that you can possibly imagine to handle all of this time stuff. But it's got this very like 60s retro feel that I just, I love. Yeah, it's, it's all paper and stamps and like mm. hand calculators and all of that oh, stuff. Like, yeah. Just I looks great. Love all of it. But yeah, so Mobius going out to the timeline is problematic because 
the suit will instantly start aging. And if his suit gets breached, then he will basically, he will start aging, which Obi describes it as he'll lose his skin. And there was that little side argument between Loki and Mobius about the fact that who would be better off, Loki if he was completely dead, or Mobius if he was alive but didn't have skin. (laughs) So that's what Mobius is worried about right now, going out there and losing his skin. What Loki is worried about is once the device is set off, once that timer that Loki is holding on goes green, he's got one of those time sticks that they use to prune people off the timeline. He has to prune himself. If he doesn't prune himself, obviously pruning yourself is terribly, terribly painful. But if he doesn't do that, he'll be ripped and lost in the time stream forever. So he's not got a lot of options. So neither of them are very happy about this. But there's a Split second timing. I think I want to say Ob at one point says something like, "Okay, you've got thirty minutes." There's this explosion. He's like, "You've got five minutes." <laughs> <laughs> so it all builds up to a climax with Loki. The, the the like getting ripped out of time and blinking out happens while he's standing there with Mobius, and he drops the pruning device. Yes. So. Mobius has to keep going out and planting this machine, hoping that Loki will find some way to prune himself. And meanwhile, Loki's just like looking all through the TVA, which seems to be oddly deserted, trying like any... It's in the future. Oh, yeah, that's right. They they set that up because you had Mobius was doodling in the dust on one of the machines at one point. And when Loki blinks into a new area, he looks and he sees that. So he knows he's gone forward in the future. I don't know how far into the future, but enough that, uh, yeah, he has no idea how to find what he dropped. Yeah. And he's looking around. And then there's this moment because the the light that he's holding turns to the color. That means he's got to prune himself now. There's no more time. And he's standing in a hallway and a phone starts ringing and he looks really terrified. And I'm not sure if there was something that I missed or, but he's just, I, he, I've watched it twice. I don't know. He's, he's looking at it and all of a sudden the elevator doors are pried open and they open just enough to see that inside it's Sylvie. And she looks up and says, there you are. And then he's looking down, and all of a sudden the effect happens where he's being pruned. Somebody like stabbed him with a prune stick from behind. Yeah. And that was it. Yep. And then I have no idea. I like I said, I've watched this twice. Who the hell pruned him? It wasn't Sylvie because she was in front of him at the time. Unless exactly, it's another yeah. version of him or him, her. I don't know. But yeah, I watched it. I was like, I was afraid I'd miss something there too. But no, somebody pruned him. We have no idea who. No. And this whole time Mobius has planted the machine. He doesn't want to start racing back to the blast doors because he doesn't want to have Loki cut off from everything. And he's just like, the blasters are closing behind him because Obi has to close them. And Mobius is just waiting and he has no idea what to do. And then all of a sudden you just see Loki come charging out of absolutely nowhere, just flying into Mobius and it drives both of them in past the blast doors and the doors. I actually laughed out loud when I saw that because I did not know how they were going to fix this particular issue. It was very clever. I really enjoyed that. So one thing I forgot to mention, there was a lot of really good filming of like walking scenes in this movie and people having dialogue and everything. And one thing that was very fun is as OB and the rest of the group were walking from OB's like research and acquisitions area or whatever, they're walking to where you can see the time loon thing. And OB is explaining what was happening. And he says, it's all here in this manual that I wrote and everything. And he tosses it over his shoulder without looking. And you see Tom Hiddleston just like change the proof stick from one hand to the other, reach out and grab it out of the air. I'm like, how many takes did that take? I don't know, because it's not a short scene. They would have had to do the entire scene over from the beginning if he didn't get it. Hopefully there's outtakes. Yes, I would love if there were outtakes. But yeah, that was very clever. Um, I'm just looking at my notes to see if there's anything else that I miss (laughs) as they're walking through that door, because he was talking to Loki about what could possibly happen if he didn't prune himself in time and everything. And Loki's wondering what would be the consequences. And he said, have you ever heard what happens when you get too near a black hole? And Loki's like, no. And he said, well, good. You probably don't want to know. And as they're walking through the door to go into the time loom area, you can look and on the floor, there's a warning that talks about going through this door increases your risk of spaghettification by 1000%. I'm like, ah, <laughs> that's what happens when you get too close to a black hole. So oh my goodness. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie um, High Life? 
with um, uh, no, I yeah, yeah, that's a sci-fi movie. It's so weird, but somebody wow. dies via spaghettification, and you don't really like see the full effect. You just see how much it hurts. Oh dear, yeah. If in case anybody's wondering, I don't know, just explain it really quickly because I know um, Neil deGrasse Tyson always says he thinks it'd be a fun way to die. Just the idea that as you're getting closer to the black hole your feet are basically moving faster than your head Mm -hmm. and it's just exponentially faster and faster and so it draws you out like spaghetti so it doesn't sound fun yeah i'm pretty sure i read a science book by stephen hawking like years ago or or looked through parts of it and i saw the spaghettification bit and that Mm -hmm. kind of scared the hell out of me never mind it's something that there's no remote possibility of it ever happening to you but you still like have to imagine it and go sound like fun so that's pretty much the end the episode before the credits stops where hunter b15 she's seeing there's like this general in the tva docks and they've all been told we're going to stop pruning branches we are not going to do anymore because those are people and they have lives so that decision was made now she is talking to this soldier guy that we've seen several times x5 looks like a total dude bro soldier guy and everything and she's saying, we've got to do something, because obviously we can't, you know, just stopping to prune the branches. Things are bad. Things seem to be fixed. And she says, we need to find out what happened at the end of time. We need to find Sylvie, because she knows. Mm-hmm. So at the very end of the episode, you see Hunter B-15 is seeing Dox's troops go through these time doors and everything, but there's so many of them. And she's like, all of this just to find Sylvie? And you can tell... She's not buying it at all. And that's where the episode ends. Now, before the credits. Yeah. After the credits, you see Sylvie, and she walks into a McDonald's. I don't... Do we ever actually see the arches? We probably do. It is definitely a McDonald's. It is. I don't know if we saw the arches, but I I definitely checked. Yes, the word McDonald's is said many times. There are many names of things, you know, like... I don't know, like filet McFish or something. I mean, I know that they were actually using real McDonald's things. So basically, they have permission to use McDonald's names. I don't know who paid who to make that happen. There had to have been so much money changing hands for that one. I'm absolutely sure. But it's in the 1980s, I think. She's still in her full battle costume, whatever. And she walks up to the front desk and she just looks at the poor cashier there and she says, how does this work? And I really liked how she did that because she doesn't know how to order food, but she's not like self-conscious of the fact that she doesn't know how to do it. And you know, the employee asks, "Uh, what do you want? And she said, no squirrel, no possum, no rat and nothing with a face, please. (laughs) (laughs) So he starts like, you know, just listing off all of the different items and the things that he likes and his voice kind of fades in the background while she turns around and she looks at all these people living their lives. A bunch of teenage girls like laughing together and a couple that seem to be on a date and she just smiles and she says, I want to try everything. And that's where the the end credit scenes ends. Yep, yep, yep. So we start the next episode. Now, I'm going to say right off the bat, I felt like the entire X5 storyline, I've watched the episode twice now. And on first watching it, I really felt like it came out of nowhere. And Jada, my friend Jada pointed this out. This is the problem with the episodes being a week apart, because by the time I watched the second episode, I'd kind of forgotten a little bit what happened the first episode. How did we manage to do this back in the day when the episodes were always a week apart? I don't know. I guess maybe we've gotten spoiled by the streaming culture now. Boy, howdy. So, yeah, I'm watching this. And there's a whole X5 storyline that we're going to get into, but I do remember thinking, I was like, I don't understand. Who is this guy? Why do we care? What's I almost felt like it was one of those almost like unreliable narrator things, like we've been dropped in the middle of the action and have to figure it out. No, having rewatched the first and second episodes, it's all been spelled out. So that's interesting. I didn't mind any of that, though, because it's... Mobius and Loki show up in 1977 London, and oh my God, Tom Hiddleston looks so good in a 1970s tux. He looks excellent. And there's a scene where there has to be multiple Tom Hiddlestons in a tux intimidating this hunter dude. And it's just like, oh, I love all of this. And he's like using shadows to wrestle the guy into position. And and, and that, so that wonderful thing from the trailer where Mobius looks at Loki and says, I think that was a little over the top, don't you? And the other, like another Loki that he's not talking to says, I thought it was 
spot on. And then all the other Lokis vanish. And I thought, ah, the nice little touch there. So fun. Yeah, I'm a a sucker for when, like, somebody's being a badass and he's wearing either, like, a three-piece suit or a tux. Because at one point, Loki's, like, striding forward, blah, blah, blah. And he does that, like, one-handed reach out and, like, unbutton the jacket and everything so he could have more room. And I'm like, ah, so freaking classy and badass. (laughs) I love that. So I think the upshot of this storyline is that this Hunter 5 guy, I think? X5. X5, yeah. He was sent back into the timeline, I think, but he's gone AWOL, I suppose. I mean, mm-hmm. he he's made a life for himself as, I guess, a movie star or something in this timeline, and he doesn't want to go back to the TVA, but they manage to drag him back there anywhere, and there's like a scene where they're trying to interrogate him, and he gets under everybody's skin. I have a note that, like, I... I truly feel like the dialogue in this episode and the episode that follows, I feel it is very weak in places. That's yep. my problem. I was like, I, the plot is one thing, but I mean, there's like at one point, Casey is talking to B-15 and there's this exposition about what Ravona is doing and how they're looking for her, And it is so clunky. I was like, wow, you guys, really, that was not great. But I got to tell you, Brad Wolf is who X5 is, is the movie star in London and everything. And they're trying to intimidate him. And he has this whole speech that he gives to Loki about why he is not scared of Loki and why what Loki is doing is ridiculous. You need to go back and just watch that speech because it is extremely well written and the actor delivers it Perfectly, It is probably my favorite moment in the whole episode. Yeah, I, I've only watched the episodes the one time through so far, so I do need to do a rewatch. But oh, I think man. the visuals are always perfect in this. Oh, yeah. And that's, I mean, when Loki and Mobius decide they're going to go back and interrogate the dude again, and they do this little bit where it looks like Loki has locked Mobius out so he can do whatever he wants to, and he puts the guy in a box that starts shrinking and starts oh. crushing him, and that is really intimidating but of course it's all a bit but he gets the uh, the information that he found sylvie he takes them to where she is and now he really wants to get out of this timeline that he's laser focused let's just go back to the tva which before he just wanted to go back to his own timeline on his own you know time on the sacred timeline but now he just doesn't want to be there and loki is talking to sylvie she is not interested in helping she doesn't care what's going on. This is the part that really gets me. There's a few instances where the characters do not seem to realize, you do understand if we don't fix this, then everything dies. Like, you know, spoilers, Ravona shows up later on. She doesn't seem to get that. Sylvie doesn't seem to take this very seriously. But Mobius figures some things out and manages to get the information out of X-5. All of those soldiers that you saw getting sent out through time windows, they're pruning. They they have yeah. like a massive job to just prune the absolute daylights out of all of these extra timelines. And they go back to the TVA and they don't manage to stop it in time. And nope. I mean, Hunter B-15, she's just like absolutely bereft. She's like, those were people. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, right there, I think, is an example of also something that I've had a problem with in these last two episodes. The music is doing a lot of heavy lifting in that moment. And she is a very good actress and she does a really great job. But I I didn't feel it, you know? I mean, it's a devastating moment. I mean, these are like probably billions of lives have been taken out. And yet I'm watching and I was just like, I don't know what it is. I just, it's the, the pathos wasn't there. I'm yeah, not really I couldn't, sure. I guess because we didn't really... Maybe if we'd flashed to more instances of the actual people on those timelines and then had to Probably. make the realization that we'll never see them again because they're gone, because they, the yeah. entire timeline's been pruned. Yeah, yeah. It, um, I mean, it's, it's uh, interesting. I mean, there, there were other things that I really liked about the episode. I mean, there's obviously Brad gets under Mobius and Loki's skin and they're back in the little cafeteria having some pie or whatever. And at one point, you know, they're trying to figure out, well, how do we convince Brad to do this? And Mobius tells Loki, come on, you're the god of mischief. Tom Hiddleston's smile at that moment was just so nice. (laughs) I just like that one little throwaway moment that they're like, Loki had to actually pull Mobius off of um, X5 because he had just gotten Mobius so angry and Mobius is storming out and they're like marching down the corridors and they 
come through a door and then all of a sudden Mobius says, where are we? <laughs> Loki says, I was following you. I was following you. You were clearly ahead of me. <laughs> Have you ever done that? I forget. I think it was me and my friend Annette at one point. We were heading out to lunch one day and we were talking as we were walking out to the parking lot. We're just walking and talking, walking. Talking. We get to the end of the parking lot and I was like, where's your car? She's like, I was following you. I'm like, I was following you. So, <laughs> totally possible. can totally see that happen. I'm almost positive that happened at least once on a West Wing episode with the whole conferencing. Oh yeah, absolutely. There was another thing I liked where when they had actually found X5, who's calling himself Brad at the, I don't know, Hollywood party or whatever he was at. And he had told them, he was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm really glad you guys are here. I'm going to go get us some drinks. And he leaves. And Moby's like, it's okay if we have some drinks because we're still working. And Loki goes, is he running now? He's like, he is running now. Shit. They both run out. <laughs> I like that. That was fun. Yeah. I, I had to remind myself that how old is this particular friendship between Mobius and Loki? Because it's only been like a few days, I think, since he was captured by the TVA. So I think so. There's so yeah. much camaraderie there already. Yeah, yeah, it's neat. And the one other moment that I liked in this episode was when they got to the warehouse where Dox's troops were and they were going to try and like stop her from pruning all these branches and everything. Sylvie is there and they're fighting against all these soldiers and she's standing there and Loki kind of walks up to her and sort of looks down. She's got her hand out and he look, looks down at her hand. She says, don't overthink it. And he grabs her hand and they go, bam! You know? <laughs> very, very fun. Again, visuals are so stunning. So mm. the third episode starts and we hear the Loki theme, but it's like an early turn of the century honky-tonk piano version of the Loki oh, theme. It oh, it was I perfect. It. Now, yeah. the setting for this episode where they have to go to to try to track down Ravona and Miss Minutes because it turns out they have to figure out how to get back inside the time loom but they can't do that without like the temporal aura of uh, He Who Remains, the big scary dude at the end of last season. But maybe Miss Minutes, the little animated clock who had access to everything, maybe she can do it. And her, I think her time signature has been identified near Ravona. So they go to find her. And where do they go to find her? The 1893 Chicago World's Fair. Stunning. Oh, my goodness. Oh, if, you, oh. If, if you guys have not read The Devil in the White City, it was Man. one of the first books that I read that made me think, huh, maybe a history book would be interesting because that is such a great book. I've told people all the time, when I started reading The Devil in the White City, of course, it's about the 1893 World's Fair in Chicago, but it's also about H.H. Holmes, who was a serial killer who was preying on people coming in for the fair. And me being me, I was like, oh, well, obviously the serial killer bit is going to be the interesting stuff, but uh, I'm sure I'll make it through the rest of the book. The stuff about the fair was so fascinating, all the things that came out of that, including the fact that there was this gentleman at the fair showing off his brand new invention of this great carnival ride and his name was Mr. Ferris. Mr. So Ferris! The Ferris! <laughs> the Ferris wheel. And of course, there's a Ferris wheel in this episode. I've got like written in all caps, the White City Ferris wheel. But I also have written down. So this is 1893. And you see Mobius and Loki come through and their costumes have all been changed to be matching the times and everything. I'm looking, I'm like, hang on. I go and look. What was it? The Abominable Bride was the episode of um, Sherlock where that was all in the past. Oh, yeah. 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 1890s. So oh, I have written. Oh, that's so a cool. Coincidence? I think not. So now, <laughs> fan artists, can we please have Sherlock and Watson and Loki and Mobius, and they're all hanging out in like Chicago or London or something? I don't care. In the 1800s, I think that'd be great. Please, oh my God, somebody needs to do that. <sighs> anyway, yeah. Um, this one got a little slapsticky in places. They were definitely trying to match the tone of maybe a silent film, I suppose, and people running around and making proclamations and generally being silly. And I thought it worked better in some places than others. Yeah, yeah. It Actually, the action starts 20 years before the World's Fair because Ravona and Miss Minutes meet in this slum area. And it's because Ravona has been assigned to drop a TVA manual through a particular window. And Miss mm-hmm. Minutes says it's something that he who remains set up. And it 
book falls into this room where this little African-American boy is sitting making candles, I think, or something like that. And then when you go 20 years in the future, it turns out it's he who remains. It's a variant of his. And what this seems to be is because he who remains has been murdered, but they set something in place to make one of his variants change his timeline to become this genius time inventor, and he will become the powerful ruler. However, he's kind of a con man. You know, he gives this yes. demo of this time machine, and you can see like the color streams that you see from, you know, time effects, mm. whatever. So it's doing yeah. something, but he, you know, a bunch of really pushy people come in and like outbid each other and buy the thing, but it turns out it doesn't work, probably because it burned itself out when he used it in this really glorious display. But yes. there's all sorts of other people coming after him for inventions that he sold them that don't work. And yes. he's, He's very showy, but he's also got a speech impediment. So he seems like he's a fairly, you know, I guess, a fairly nice con man, whatever. But he is being terrorized by all of the main characters for the entire episode because everybody wants a piece of him. Yes, I will say about that speech impediment, that seemed to be dropped by the wayside when he wasn't talking in front of a group of people. So I'm thinking that may have been a bit of a put on. May have, yeah, well, definitely he was a more flamboyant speech impediment then, but you could definitely tell that he had some trouble getting words out, uh, yeah, yeah, especially yeah. when he was scared, which happened a yeah. lot because, again, he gets terrorized by the main characters. Yeah. So let's break down. You've got Ravona and Miss Minutes are after him because Miss Minutes worked with He Who Remains for like eons, and she's sort of behind this whole plan, carrying out his wishes. And Ravona believes that this is who she's supposed to meet, this is what she's supposed to do, all this kind of stuff. So that's why they're after him. Now, Loki and Mobius had originally come to Chicago looking for Ravona, but now that they see He Who Remains, they realize they don't need Miss Minutes to solve the problems they've got going on back at the TVA. Mobius is like, we need to take him back to the TVA, even though Loki thinks that's a terrible, terrible idea. Yeah, Tom Hiddleston really sells how terrified Loki is of this person. I mean, Mobius is not at all impressed, but Loki's like, he's horrifying. Yeah, yeah. Even though Loki did say in the first episode that he realizes that he who remains had been making a terrible choice because when all these branches are allowed to grow, they all have a variant of he who remains, and they all war against each other, I suppose, and that destroys timelines, so that he who remains may have been doing a good thing in the course of murdering billions and billions of people, so it's not a really great choice. No, it really isn't. And, oh, and also... Sylvie shows up trying to murder the He Who Remains variant, even though he has no idea why she's so mad at him. Yes, yes, yes. So there's a lot more slapsticky comedy type of running around stuff that goes on, including I think Miss Minutes at one point grows herself to a giant size to kind of like scare everybody away and everyone runs in fear from her. I know at one point, I think some of the bad guys were coming after, I don't know, they were coming after... Timely, wasn't that what his name was, I think? And they were coming after him, and Mobius and Loki got in the way, and Loki ended up blasting him with his green fire, and they both come running in the opposite direction. Never mind, you could have him! Very (laughs) slapsticky. But the upshot is that Timely and Ravona and Miss Minutes end up getting onto this ship that's going out into one of the Great Lakes. I apologize, Chicago, I don't remember which lake that would be. And I think they're just... The timely says something like, oh, the usual arrangements, but that's them hanging out inside of one of the lifeboats, yes. which I guess is where you stow away. So, And they had this conversation, and Miss Minutes is being a little snippy, I suppose, and Ravona and Timely seem to have this little connection that Miss Minutes wasn't really happy about. But then Ravona says something like, yes, this would be a great partnership, which seems to hurt Timely's feelings, I guess because he said he doesn't do partners. Mm-hmm. And the upshot of that is after Ravona falls asleep... Timely and Miss Minutes leave her in the lifeboat and cut the ropes so that she falls to the ground. And Miss Minutes like, ah, well, you heard what she said. It's just a partnership. You did what you had to do. And I'm like, what's happening here? This is all very odd. Miss Minutes is really, really becoming even more creepy in this episode because when she and Victor Timely go to his actual workshop and she starts reminiscing about the fact that he who remains, him, even though he keeps saying, but I'm not him, uh, made her. 
and yeah. she's known him for eons. They would play chess together. They would talk and talk. And he like he created her as an AI, but then he allowed her to make herself so she could have her own thoughts, her own desires. And she was talking about, but the one thing you never did for me, you never gave me a body. And yeah. it's just and she's like going over to this mannequin and said, if you had given me a body, I could have been your girl. And that's oh, that's man. when he grabs the temp pad and manages to press the right buttons to get her like blinked back inside the temp pad. Even if she's like racing towards him going, no, 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 you don't want to do this. I love you. And then it stops. Yeah. Yeah. I've got this in my notes. I was like, Miss Minutes romance, just dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't care for it. I was just like, this is, this is not compelling. I just, just, I don't know. I never really liked the character very much. So, and now she's just, I feel she's just very irritating now. Yeah. She definitely is. Yeah. But then Ravona shows up and she's got hold of one of Victor Timely's inventions, which you can tell from the like effects that it has. It's a pruning stick. And she, yeah, yeah, she threatens him and tells him that she is now in charge. And that's when Mobius and Loki come charging in and they're trying to talk her in. This is where I started getting frustrated because I'm like, Ravona, will you listen to what they're saying? All of time is in trouble, but she doesn't believe him. She doesn't she's given up so much to the TVA. She has worked her entire existence to keep everything into contr- under control. And now, and all of a sudden, there's this huge burst of green fire. And then Sylvie shows up. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm surprised Victor Timely just didn't have a stroke at some point with all these people yeah. coming after him. Yep, 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 yep. So Loki, of course, is doing the same thing he's been doing for quite a while. He is trying to keep Sylvie from killing he who remains or his variants or whatever. And Sylvie just, that's, she wants to have her life, but she feels like the life that she wants to have, she can never have that as long as there is a he who remains or any of his variants. And her solution is anytime one of them shows up, I'm just going to kill him. And uh, it's, again, Loki is not, he has so much trouble trying to talk sense into her. I mean, there was this whole fight scene aboard one of the Ferris wheels cars, which I remember in the book, The Devil in the White City, they went into detail about just how freaking big these cars were. Like like yeah. 20 yeah. or so people, I think, could fit into one of these glassed-in enclosures. But it's like in midair and... Loki is trying to keep Sylvie from murdering Victor and they're telekinetic slamming him into the ceiling and he's trying to block her from throwing him out a window or just stabbing him to death. So, but that's, she does manage to get her knife at Victor's throat and he just, he tells her, I'm not who you think I am. I can make my own decisions. And I think that may have finally gotten through to her the idea that that's what she that's the only thing that she wanted she wanted to be able to live her own life without some overarching organization telling her what the life was supposed to be yep. so she yep. just yep. tells mobius and loki to get him out of here and don't make her regret this so they all do leave and she is left with ravona which she even told them she's like i'll handle ravona and no one seems bothered by this, you know, all the time that Loki was trying to keep her from killing people and everything. I mean, it looks fairly clearly like she's going to murder Ravona, but she's, I don't know, she talks to Ravona and ends up taking her sword and turning the butt end and like just totally just punching her in the gut about that. And Ravona says something about, if you're going to kill me, just kill me. But Sylvie has imagined killing her a bunch of times. And she says that that's really that kind of like, that rage, I guess, that all-consuming obsession just really isn't good for anybody. Yep, and she says, you've always wanted control to be like the seat of power. Well, be careful what you wish for. And she opens up a time window and kicks her through it. And Ravona ends up in the end of time with looks like the moldering corpse of he who remains. And she's... And the, the... building is falling apart, you know, crashing down huge chunks of rock everywhere. So everything is definitely falling apart there. And Miss Minutes is there. I guess she must have grabbed a hold of the tempad before she got kicked through the door and everything. So Miss Minutes is there. And this is kind of like, oh, great. Oh, I actually actually did like that because when Ravona tapped the tempad and Miss Minutes appeared, the first thing she said was, I love you. Nuts. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, at some point, Miss Minutes says something about 
I don't know. I mean, something about secrets is like, I've got a secret about you. I can tell you, but it's going to make you really angry. And that's where the episode ends. Yeah, because um, Ravona was just irritated that Miss Minutes sabotaged her and made a fool of both of them. And Miss Minutes said, well... Victor was a fool to make somebody mad when they know all of their secrets. So, so is it going to be a six-episode season like last year was the first season? You know, I honestly I haven't been paying attention. I don't know how many episodes it's going to be. It would be interesting if it is six episodes because that's I mean we're at the halfway point, but it is also a pretty good pausing point, I guess. It does. Like, you could see how this would work as, like, a mid-season hiatus type of thing, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got Victor Timely there at the TVA now. And, of course, he's been... He read the whole TVA manual, so he knows who OB is, which I think is really cool. Um, But that's where he's been getting all of his ideas, and he's obviously... His technology has jumped to a point where it... Beyond what it would have if he'd just lived out his regular life. So it's right. a lot of, you know, Miss Minutes has obviously terrorized this poor person, but that's after changing the entire course of his life. Yeah, seriously. Real quick, I wanted to read out stuff. Hugh, who is our movie reviewer for the site, he posted something called What You Didn't Notice in Loki Season 2, Episode 3. And some of it are callbacks to things that are obvious to people who read the comic book, which I think is totally fine. But he did make a couple interesting comparisons. One thing he said, during Victor and Ravona's conversation, Victor brings up how he imagined slash dreamed of what he could become in the future. This is a major nod to the concept of people's dreams being windows into the lives of their multiversal, multiversal, wow, that's hard to say, multiversal selves that was first introduced in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, so it's like not 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 actually like I've envisioned, but I've had an actual dream. So he's yeah. dreaming his yeah. other selves. And they also say Victor's apparent dislike for partnerships is a reference to the large ego that many Kang variants share in their pursuit to conquer time in the comics, hence why some of them would end up fighting each other rather than work together. So there you go. That's all those wars that they have. Mm-hmm. The device Victor retrieves from his workshop, the thing that he holds up at one point saying, you know, life's work or something, it's a prototype of the time chair first seen in Quantumania. Mm. Take your word for that one. Can't remember. And I think that's it. There was some reference about how Miss Minute's obsession with Victor slash Kang and desire for a body can be seen as parallel to Wanda and Vision. Both couples feature an AI and a multiversal traveler wanting to be together. Eh, I suppose. Like, <laughs> that could be a reach, I think. Oh, sure. I totally forgot one little throwaway bit when Mobius and Loki are uh, looking through the 1893 World's Fair, and Loki is like on point and on mission, but Mobius is obviously sightseeing and getting like yes. snacks and Cracker Jack and whatever. Um, but they find some display that was made up about Vikings or Norse mythology or something, and mm-hmm. Loki is just kind of disgusted because of yeah. like, you know, they've reduced an, an entire culture down to this one little simplified stand. And Mobius, I think, nails it in the fact that Loki. He's mad that he wasn't included as one of the figures. And he's like, why would they put Balder there? Nobody knows who he is. And Mobius is like, yeah, everybody knows who he is. So they never, (laughs) I don't think Balder ever came up in any of the Thor movies. I can't remember because you had, Thor had all these like with Sif and various other people who were sort of traveling in Thor's orbit. I don't know. Was one of them Balder? I can't remember. I don't think so. Balder was the one that Loki uh, ended up getting killed with that uh, mm-hmm. whole killed with a sprig of mistletoe or something. Yeah, but yeah, oh, yeah I mean, just he's just like an asshole. Mobius is still kind of delighted about the fact that Loki is one of the Norse gods. It's like that tie-in to mythology and history. That's Loki, and then he wanders away, and just Loki glares up at the statues. Said Thor was never that tall. <laughs> I betcha I'm going to look up something real fast. Do me a favor. Look up and see how, uh, type in Tom Hiddleston height. I found a Pinterest page that has like a height chart with uh, some actors there. And Tom Hiddleston is 6'2". And it it looks like Chris Hemsworth is 6'4". I'm seeing a thing here that says he's 6'3". So I was hoping that that was going to be some kind of reference to be like, 
Thor's not that tall because Tom Hiddleston is taller. Nope, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess that's all for Loki for this week, anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a longer episode than usual, but we did have to play a little catch-up, so that is going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out PixLadyGeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. Not a lot of photo galleries yet. Designer Con is not for a little while. You guys don't have any conventions coming up in the next couple weeks, do you? Uh, yeah, well, we haven't decided if we're going to be able to go or not, but the um, Durham Comic Con is coming up in November. Oh, that's right, that's right. So that's always possible. We always joke that convention season is kind of like year-round at this point, but I don't know. I, I didn't pay attention to a lot of the news that came out of New York Comic Con, did you? No, no, unfortunately. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this time it has actually happened, though. We thought at first. We said, oh, I haven't paid attention to anything that's come out of New York Comic Con. Because it hadn't happened yet. <laughs> We're so all caught up. In, ugh, all that and more. PixLadyGeek.com. So I guess we still, I think it's a little early for a Night Vale episode. Because this is a long month. So by next week we won't have another Night Vale. No, no. We're probably going to be, next week's episode will be a couple days too early for another Night Vale. And we're still way too early for the next Lore Olympus. Yes. We will have an episode of Loki unless they throw in like some kind of like mid-season break. break. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, Who knows? Hopefully not. Anyway, one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to you later. my thought. Hold that thought. What are you doing out here, cat? Ugh. Sorry about that. We uh we had to switch to a new kitty litter because apparently one of the big kitty litter manufacturers got hit with a hacking attempt and now they're having supply chain problems. And of course it's one of ours, but uh, of course. So, so now the, uh, the cats are like digging even more enthusiastically in the uh, uh, litter boxes. And I'm like, and I'm home alone and I hear this crashing sound I'm like, oh, stop that. But anyway, <laughs> where the hell were we?